Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 73 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. With me, Dustin Galker, Adam Candy. You can find them on Twitter, and you should, at Adam Candy. That is two E's, no Y, at Dustin Galker. If you have some reason in this world that you want to follow me, at Matt Brown, M2. We're on Apple, Spotify, yeah. Yeah. Matt, I need to, Matt, hold on. I need to stop you right there. I need to stop you right there. Every week you say it, but then you never give a reason. No, I think no, no. You I'm saying the if they hate themselves, right here and now why they then they, should, should, then they should follow me. I don't see any reason to follow me. No, no, I understand, I understand that. But what's the uh, flip side? You know what? I, um, I will typically sometimes uh, talk negatively about sports teams. So wait, wait, no, that's not a good reason to follow me either. So, uh, yeah, no. Mm, that really yeah, separates yeah, you no, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Really, really nothing, uh, nothing. I don't bring anything to the table, actually. So, uh, you know, I know you I did tried. your best and I appreciate that. Uh, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. So go in, subscribe, rate and review. We do appreciate that as well. At LSP report is the main account. As you probably well know, we're going to hit on five dimes, but we're also going to talk about some numbers. We like numbers. We're going to talk about some even some poker stuff that's going on in the world out there, maybe even another licensee over in Tennessee. But let's go ahead and talk, talk some five dimes here. I mean, this is the last three weeks has been kind of our, our lead story here because the story does continue to keep changing. And, and Adam, we were wondering, okay, is this going to be there? Are they really just going to be like a B2B? Is this what they're going to be the path to actually trying to operate? And that does not seem to be the case. No, it certainly does not. Our Brad Allen had the opportunity to speak with Laura Varela, the widow of uh, of the former Five Dimes owner, and she seems intent on being able to get Five Dimes in the U.S. through state regulation in New Jersey. Uh, not only are they attempting that, they will attempt to hire a CEO in the United States as well. Uh, so this appears to be a full steam ahead push right now for Five Dimes in terms of getting licensed in New Jersey. Now, exactly uh, how that would work, we still don't know. There are a lot of moving pieces to get to that point. But uh, some very strong quotes from Five Dimes attorney Jeff Ifra, who basically said, the AGA tried, they're not doing anything. We need to give offshores a shot and bring them into the legal market. Uh, 
whether or not we agree with that statement, it certainly seems like this is the beginning of a discussion that we're going to be having for a while, not just with Five Dimes, but potentially with other operators as well. Yeah, Dustin, I mean, I guess I look at this from the aspect and we always talk about the consumer and, you know, look, we we agree that competition is better and it's better for the consumer. But I think you can also look at a market like New Jersey or even what's about to happen, you know, what is happening in Colorado. And you look and like, there's a lot of different options out there. I mean, currently now some of them use the same back end. And so you're actually getting the same lines and whatever. But I mean, there's a decent amount of options out there. And there are still a couple of players who really haven't full court pressed into expansion into other states and things like that as well. So, I mean, it's, it seems so weird when all I've done is, is sit here and say the competition is good and it's better for the consumer, but how many more do we need? I mean, like how, one, there's a limited amount of licenses in some states. So it's not like we can just have as many as want to come. And then on top of that, I mean, like it, eventually you just start kind of like, I don't know, wasting money because you're, you're, you're just not going to get any market share. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot going on here with the competition aspect of this. Yes. Like in New Jersey, there are still available licenses. There are not in other states or there are and there are unlimited number or a lot left in some other states. So and then we have, as we talk about ad nauseum on here, there are monopolies where you have no path. So like it's not like five dimes can just like snap its fingers and suddenly we're in a bunch of states, even if it gets New Jersey regulation because it needs needs that deal on top of getting licensed in the state. So there, there's a lot going on. I just larger picture. I still reject this idea that a bunch of like all the offshore sites are suddenly going to be screaming to go legit. You're t- you're t- I mean, you have to do all let's again, think of what five dimes did. They went cold Turkey. No, no more, no more betting from the U S uh, again. I mean, we can argue over that, I guess, because they, they sent customers to a skin that's identical and all of that. But you know, it's it's a lot to ask to think like Bovada is just going to stop serving all of the U.S. Right? That, like mm-hmm. that's a lot of money they're giving up just on the off chance that they can start getting regulated. Sure, if Five Dimes does it, maybe there's a path. But there's a there's a there's a lot of space between where we sit right now and like all of the offshore sports books and online casinos. Again, we always forget about that. Online casinos still only legal really in in three states. Delaware as well runs a, monop- a monopoly there. So there is a lot going on. That's like. Okay. Yes, you want to get into the U.S. market. It's not. It's there's not as. It's not nearly as big of a market as you can serve when you're serving California and Texas and all of that. So, I don't know. There's all. There's. I, to, when I unpack it all, I still just don't see this as some great path for for offshore sites to get into the U.S. You know, Adam. One of the things that we hear from a lot of people, and I think that again, it's it's we need to take a step back and look at this from the the big picture here. And they say, well, these guys. They offer better prices and they offer better this and they do this better and this, that and the other and whatever. Well, you know, when your sole focus is one is one thing, then I can certainly understand that when you don't have ancillary costs that come along with all the other things. I can certainly understand why you can offer less big or this better product, this better product that. But if you talk about regulation in the United States and coming in and being legal in the United States, it is a completely different animal of how you've done business for the last couple of decades in several decades. You are now having to go in full full court press customer acquisition mode, because let me tell you, people within the bubble know who bet Chris is people who are just coming into sports betting, who might have opened up a DraftKings account because they saw a commercial or got a, or saw a billboard or something have no, have no clue at all. Like the casual, casual better 
does not know who these big behemoth offshore sites are, or even the European giants that are coming over and, and, and trying to get in, in the space here as well. So it's just, you know, to think that, oh yeah, you know, let's get uh five dimes in here. They obviously, you know, they've got great lines. They do this better. They have better this. Well, you know, a lot of those resources are now going to have to be go, go towards marketing, customer acquisition, licensing fees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think it's a little, I think it's a little bit simplistic to just think like, oh yeah, man, Hey, they're going to, they're going to come in and automatically become market leaders because they do it better right now. Oh, I think the concept of them becoming market leaders is based almost entirely on the database they've built up without saying how much crossover is there going to be within that database to what's in the legal market right now, right? I mean, you assume that they've built Mm -hmm. up this enormous market share of the US market prior to it going legal and that they're going to hold all of that and that some of that market hasn't already bled into the legal market. Some of it is bigger players, right? And that's who we hear from. We hear from the ones with the loudest voices who have been yelling about how offshore is a better product. And you just talked about better VIG and and the ability to offer better pricing. Well, there's a reason for that. You haven't had to pay any of these costs for the course of 20 plus years. You haven't had to pay any of them. And now when you talk about getting into the US market, all the costs you just mentioned, plus the scrutiny of regulators, right? It was not that long ago that we were talking about a halftime bet that was just unilaterally canceled uh, by an offshore operator that would never fly in the U.S. market. So if you're someone who's out there saying, well, yeah, of course, you need to bring the offshore in for the purpose of, uh, you know, of giving them the opportunity to compete in the market, I would I would counter and say, why? Why? From both sides. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? What are you accomplishing by doing that, I mean, you talk about the cost associated with it, Matt. If I could offer you a better hamburger that never had to be inspected by the FDA, I could probably do it for cheaper. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have to pay my labor a competitive cost and cover them with healthcare, I absolutely could get that product to you at a lower price. So, look, I I realize I've bounced around a little bit here in in talking about it, but that's because there are so many issues here that don't make sense that don't add up that, you know, I think we're a long way away from this making sense on either side. You know, Dustin, one of the things that we, we, we've talked about on, you know, when you kind of look at all this stuff is, is whether they would be able to maintain the same business practices anyway, if they can, if they were able to be legalized here. I mean, you talk about these offering better lines and offering bigger markets and offering, you know, taking bigger wagers and all these things like that. But again, that is sans the, $10 million licensing fee in Pennsylvania, the million dollar licensing fee in these other states, the marketing fees that go along with it. Also, there's that there's that pesky little tax that's still out there that comes off the top as well. That is, again, it just bleeds and bleeds and bleeds and bleeds. And we know that sports betting runs on a pretty slim margin. I mean, it is not the cash cow that I think a lot of people on the outside just look at some of these numbers and realize like we know because we study what the casinos actually do. And like, we understand what the casino business actually brings in. It is a, it is literally a complimentary product to most of the casinos out there. It is not a primary source of income. That's why you're seeing even the bigger sports book brands adding casino games and adding slot machines and adding things like that to their product, because that is where the true money is in all of this. And so again, like, yeah, we keep saying like, I just don't think they would be able to operate business the same way 
under what we have in in place here in the United States. Yeah, again, you're we, we, it seems like we're beating a dead horse, but it, it, it keeps worth saying, like, you're not paying taxes. You're not. We have the federal excise tax. You're telling me, like, everybody wants to come in and pay a quarter percent of their handle to the U.S. government just for, again, just for the chance to start doing it across mm-hmm. the, the market. So it's uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's wild to me that, we, that we're talking about this. And again, I think Five Dimes was still in a, in a weird position because they I mean, this is not what everybody else would even try to do that. You know, we have the feds talking with the widow of the old owner and she, you know, the, the feds claim she was, you know, p- apart from the operation and is just using the assets. OK, great. Like, but who else is like, what else are we going to do? Are we going to just keep is everybody else just going to like kind of sell their operation. And I, I, I mean, yeah. the whole thing, I just don't see how it works logistically either for anyone else. Uh, that's the part, Adam. You know, to add to that, Dustin, I think we're losing in the idea of five times becoming regulated. Part of what actually happened here. Um, we're losing the part of the storyline that a federal investigation of five times began in 2016 into illegal gambling activity and wire fraud and money laundering, right? This has all been sold to us as, well, now everything's clear so we can get into the U.S. market because we're not going to be prosecuted for any of these charges. That also means that we don't know what the feds are doing with relation to any other offshore book. And that's not for me to say that I'm, I'm not suggesting there are other investigations out there. We just don't know. And Five Dimes, in order to settle this, was willing to forfeit $47 million that's not a small amount of money to break news. And the other right. piece of this is, right. this is a criminal investigation. This was a criminal investigation over the course of years. That's not to say that some other operator doesn't have worse in their background than what we saw put out there in the five dimes situation. So was the federal government ever going to be able to truly charge five dimes for the things that happened uh, over the, that course of time? Who knows? Uh, we don't know that and we'll mm-hmm. never know that. But the point of the matter is, it's not just a matter of saying, okay, well, now this is clear and can they get licensed? There are so many other factors involved in any other offshore operator having to deal with the federal government beyond everything that we're talking about here. The other thing we said, like the story talks about how, oh, it's not, no thing has been effective against this. I don't know. I mean, yes, this investigation is going, how hard have we really tried? This has not been, Mm -hmm. you know, other than the the few incidents that we talk about, we're going to get into that a little bit too, but you know, there there are ways to stop this. It takes the will to do it. And, you know, I, I continue to maintain as online gambling gets bigger, that will will continue. We, we've already seen it with New Jersey regulators trying to put pressure on both offshore people doing content about it, doing actually operating. They've 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 tried that it should take, you know, we should have you know state regulators and the federal government working together to cut to, to what can we do to stop this? Because you're you're still you're still hamstringing the legal and regulated market until that all goes on. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I the, the whole thing makes my brain hurt. I, 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 for people who are saying, oh yes, every offshore sports book in the world. And again, got to remember they have casino too. This is not, and that's a way. Even though they're famous for the sports book, and that's what they mm-hmm. they're they're selling those people over to table games and slots, and I mean probably more table games because it's mostly male. But it's. There's just, it's just a lot of money you have to give up just to get just for the chance to serve a small sliver of what of the U.S. market. Now we're still only a can get into maybe a handful or more states for sports betting 
probably not getting into Pen- you're not getting the Pennsylvania casino. You maybe you can get into Michigan or New Jersey for casino, but you're 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 you're, you're giving up a lot to mm-hmm. go try to compete in a a market that's already kind of established and has limited entry points. And and Dustin, just to kind of put a put a bow on this, I mean, from a federal perspective, I mean, again, I'm not gonna try to speculate what's going on behind the scenes or something like that. But again, we're there's we're in some weird times right now. There's weird things going on. There's a lot of really pressing issues that are going on. I don't know how much the federal government really cares about this now, but that's not necessarily to say that they won't care, you know, a year from now or 18 months from now or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows what what's going to happen? Given mm-hmm. if you have another administration with the DOJ, I mean, we have you know the the shenanigans with the Wire Act that have gone on with the the current administration and DOJ. Um, you know, another just want to point out a good piece by uh, Ryan Rodenberg, who's been around this space for a long time, talking about some of the other uh, federal prosecutions of 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 offshore of offshore gambling sites. And uh, this has been a change for, you know, this, uh, you know, this looks like this is, again, this is a, it's either a change or just a one-off because it's Mm -hmm. a different set of circumstances. You know, if you, I I don't think that like, if Tony were still alive, we'd be, we'd have seen this deal. I don't think any of this would have happened. We'd be be seeing, uh, or, or at least not an entry into the U S market. This would have been, okay, we will take your money where we can't, maybe we can't prosecute you, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I just don't think this whole thing would have, would have gone down the same way, but yeah, from the federal perspective, who knows, but it, and it is like, this is low on the priority list. You know, if the feds ever get more involved with gambling, then certainly that would be good for regulated markets. So, but I, this, just the idea that you have to do this because it's a, you know, that law has been a failure. You have to bring in the offshore sites. I don't, I kind of reject that as a premise. And just to just to kind of reiterate something we talked about last week as well, like I have heard some other programs out there that aren't really kind of as plugged in on this side of things as we are who are saying like, yeah, you know, I mean, look, hey, we've we've got poker stars now. We've got party poker now. I mean, you know, this is and like, again, th- there is a pretty major difference in all that. I mean, the, we, we're talking about companies changing hands, changing ownership, sometimes multiple times in all of that and it's not like oh okay the version one of poker stars got approved and is now operating legally in the united states that's not what happened that's not what's going on here and so it's not really a comparison apples to apples really at all to kind of say oh yeah well i mean look we've had it with these guys so why isn't it the same with these guys because it is a completely different case so again just to kind of drive that home yet again for the people who aren't you know don't know the backstory of some of these other companies and things like that all right, so let's uh, let's get our let's get our DraftKings time in here. Uh, this is this is what we do here on the podcast each and every week. Has to be some sort of something about DraftKings. And uh, Dustin, we'll uh, we'll start out here with DraftKings and a whole bunch of money, maybe even uh, the the letter B in there. Yeah, uh, by <laughs> DKNG, right? That's uh, that's what that's always always the goal. But uh, yeah, they're doing another stock offering. Uh, originally, uh, if at, at market price it was going to be about a billion dollars, they they've offered they're they're putting out the stock offering fifty two dollars, going to uh, result in eight hundred million in in revenue, uh, not revenue, uh, new money and capital for DraftKings. So uh, even more money for DraftKings to to spend and do things with over the next several years as it's growing. It gave us some some details of its of its business as you know as we're seeing mm-hmm. these public companies they're they're kind of leaking a little bit of information early on earnings and th- before earnings and things like that. Online sports betting handle 
up 460% over last year. That obviously includes uh, new states that they're serving, uh, but also more than 100% growth in New Jersey. Online casino up 300%. They've uh, obviously opened up in in Pennsylvania as well, so these are these are not apples oranges to oranges co- comparisons. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, DraftKings, uh, you know, we're, as we as we talked about, I think last week, there's lots more competition. So having more more money sitting around that you can deploy to, you know, buy our customers and do whatever you want, and uh, again, pay for all these commercials that we see on the middle of NFL <laughs> broadcasts, then uh, that, that's what they're going to continue to do. And, and Adam, speaking of that competition. You know, it is Penn that is out there, and and Penn. You know, again, we talked about how that stock just you know rocket shift before they even went live with the first iteration of Barstool Sportsbook. Now we do have Barstool Sportsbook live, looking to go live in a couple of other states as well. And so you do have to wonder maybe if DraftKings not necessarily worried about looking over their shoulder, but is at least looking over their shoulder a little bit to see if anybody's coming up from behind. Yeah, I think it would be silly at this point for either of the market leaders, DraftKings or FanDuel, not to be looking behind and seeing who's there. We haven't established much going through the first 24 months of legal sports betting, 24 months plus at this point, uh, time all relative in, in 2020. But, uh, you know, we see that Barstool has come in with a lot of fanfare and a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, they're going to be formidable competition along with Foxbet and, and potentially PointsBet and some others, uh, you know, for that early third place. And then who knows beyond that as the market develops. But I don't think that necessarily means that it's a guarantee that Barstool or anybody else is going to be able to make a significant dent. We have to see. Now, what did Penn National go out and do? Uh, another stock sale from their end uh, an offering at $61 a share where they brought in almost another billion dollars themselves, which I actually find really interesting because one of the primary barstool talking points has been, we did all this that we've done in our first couple of weeks with no spend, right? Mm -hmm. Penn National didn't have to spend a dollar. Everything was built in. Well, first of all, Penn National spent $163 million to buy 30% and they have an option to buy more than 50% within a few years. But second of all, This cash raise is a tacit acknowledgement of the fact that you're going to have to go out there and spend some money in much the same way that DraftKings and FanDuel and others have done. I mean, yes, we know from DraftKings filing that they're burning a couple hundred million dollars a quarter in advertising. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the strategy, right? Get out there early, get out there first, grab people and keep them sticky. Now, Barstool thinks that their audience is plenty sticky in the first place, and they're using more of the model that the score put out there that we're going to bring people over from, you know, our more traditional media to, to where we are now. But I think when you have Penn going out there and raising the same kind of cash that multiple other operators have, that there is some acknowledgement of the fact of like, there is truth in you're going to have to advertise at some point, you're going to have to spend on promos and marketing, yeah. even if you have a built in user base. And I'll say, I mean, let's dispel this myth that Barstool One is never going to spend on marketing or you're spending zero on marketing now. We saw even somebody in our Slack channel posted a picture of there's a there's a thing in a convenience store where you get a free hoagie <laughs> if you sign up for Barstool's sportsbook app, right? And at conven- apparently, uh, who knows how many convenience stores this is? In, is, right. is. They bought, they're buying billboards. They're going to buy commercials. They're going to spend money on all these things. Yes, the initial flow, flow this is what they, what they counted on is we can have a bunch of people come in the door quickly. That's not going to continue in the perpetuity. You will have to spend money to one, get more market share and two, to keep it. 
uh, as, as sports betting goes on. It's not going to just be we wave a magic wand and everybody bets at Barstool. That's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, well, all, all sports bettors aren't between the age of 21 and 27, you know, and I mean, which is like their their demographic, you know, so it's like, yeah, eventually you have to reach the people who are over 30 years old and definitely the people who are over 40 years old. So, um, yeah, there's going to have to be a lot of that. And, and Adam, you did mention the score. And I think probably the score, looking back on all this, will probably regret the decision for not spending money or whatever because that made really no penetration whatsoever and hasn't. I mean, they are uh, nearly an afterthought. And it was something that we were, at least when it first got announced, were pretty curious about because, I mean, they do have a big following. They do have that app that has a ton of, of downloads. It has a ton of daily active users. But we have not seen that translated over to them making a dent in this industry. And I think that there can be a lesson learned there that at the end of the day, there's a reason why your fan duels and your DraftKings and your points bets and everything of the world are spending the money that they are. And BetMGM comes in and says, they're going to spend whatever it takes and, and all of that because it works, you know, unfortunately it works and you do have to kind of go at it that way. Uh, Dustin. Yeah, so I think oh yeah. Go ahead. Adam. No, just to finish on the yeah. thought uh, with, with the score, Matt, I, mean, I think you saw a couple of approaches that didn't work, right? At least early on. The score decided we've got all these users, we're going to convert them. Well, they haven't converted that many of them, but they will tell you that about 75% of their openings have been conversions. Mm -hmm. So there was some truth to it, just not nearly enough <laughs> truth to it. And I think the other approach that didn't work was the legacy casino companies thinking, we have names that right. everybody recognizes. We're going to throw open the doors and not have a great product and not do a lot of marketing and, or at least, you know, uh, customer marketing. And that didn't work either. I mean, it turns out ad blitz along with a little name recognition built up through DFS and email uh, addresses yeah. through DFS has worked out pretty darn well so far. That doesn't mean it'll work in the future, but uh, certainly we've seen what played out early. And now we've got Jamie Foxx telling us to download the BetMGM app. So that's how far we've come. I downloaded three times just because I saw that. <laughs> I mean, that's how far we've come. Jamie Foxx standing out in front of the fountains at the Bellagio. And then the thing goes off and he's like, download BetMGM. And people are like, damn it, I think I will. You know what? Jamie Foxx just told me yep. to. And yeah, I'm definitely going to definitely gonna do that. Uh, Dustin, so we talked about the Illinois saga. Everyone that's listening to the podcast knows what's going on there, but we did at least get our first kind of like look into some real numbers that are coming out of there since they had the, you know, open registration. Yeah, for uh, this is for August. We just got the numbers for August. It's October. I don't know how these <laughs> these reporting is so slow, but we we just now got it. So 140 million dollars in handle in Illinois, which is a lot. That's already close to putting it. Uh, could already be seeing Illinois as the third mm -hmm. third or fourth biggest market in the U.S. Uh, with again with a very short run up on the online side. So this is really this is a weird month. Where September is going to be way more indicative of what's going on there because. If you remember, we've been talking about the in-person registration that went away near the tail end of August. I guess the last ten days, you could you could remotely sign people up. So, and then the big one, Bet Rivers, uh, which has a, a casino there just outside of Chicago, accounted for eighty percent of of the total of the of the handle in the state. So that's the you know they were open for remote registration for a while before it got rescinded, and now it's back. DraftKings again opened up for maybe ten days with remote registration in the state. Vandal only open for three days. So they they both barely, uh, badly trailed, but this is not yet uh, even close to what we're going to see. I, I'd say Pet Rivers may definitely has an advantage, but September will be the first true month where we see what DraftKings and Fanduel can do against them. They'll have a full month of operation. Uh, obviously, NFL season has started, so that will be you know 
they were maybe not doing as much of a push in that state uh, just as as it came online, mm-hmm. but certainly going for for people for the NFL season. And as we talked about on this podcast, DraftKings was doing all sorts of things in Illinois and Chicago to get eyeballs on them. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see. But obviously, top line number 140 million in handle in Illinois is a pretty big number already. Adam, those September numbers. I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction that they are going to be staggering. I think we are going to look at those September numbers coming out of Illinois with the remote registration, with the start of football season, with everything that was going on. And I think we're going to go, wow, Matt, I couldn't agree more. And I think what's going to happen is those numbers are going to lead to a legislative fix that Mm -hmm. keeps remote registration for ever. Uh, that doesn't require the 18 month waiting period. I think legislators aren't going to be able to ignore what's happened. And frankly, the cat is out of the bag at this point. Like you're not going to get it back in when it comes to the remote registration. DraftKings and FanDuel have the advantage that Rivers and everybody else feared. So, you know, you're pretty much done with trying to monopolize the market in that way. And keep in mind, when we see those September numbers, I agree, they're going to be huge. And you're only going to have five operators right. in mobile at that point. Right. I mean, it, what this market can become is still going to be just a drop uh, in September. So it's going to be enormous. And I do think it's going to lead to further action. Tennessee is knocking on the door of going live. I know it seems like we've been talking about Tennessee forever here on the podcast. And, you know, you could probably go back. Uh, you probably go back 50 episodes and we have been talking about Tennessee for for that long. But, Adam, they are knocking on the door. It looks like we will have Tennessee going live here shortly. Uh, we're starting to get some of these operators licenses out there. And uh, another one got granted this week. Accurate information. Uh, November 1st appears to be the launch date for Tennessee. And that's that's not a terrible timeline considering Mm -hmm. where they picked up this licensing process in just the last two or three months and really got it going. So you've seen the big boys uh, get in there and get their licenses for what's going to be a very interesting online only market. Um, There are some troubling parts, tax rate and uh, some other restrictions in there. But You know, when it comes to this new entrant that just got its license, it's kind of a strange situation. Uh, Tennessee Action 24-7 is the operators of it have not been involved in sports betting in the past. They've had other business interests and they seem committed to only operating in Tennessee. Uh, So it's definitely going and uh, swimming a bit upstream uh, against the current of what's been happening in sports betting. Uh, Not really sure what level of success uh, that will bring when you're operating against the DraftKings and and the fan duels of the world. Uh, Maybe the marketing is that, you know, we're Tennessee born and bred and Mm -hmm. go ahead. That's, that's one we haven't really tried yet uh, in terms of, you know, developing a sports betting presence in the market. But yeah, it does appear that November 1st is the target date. And look, if you get up and running by November 1st, you're still going to capture two months of regular season NFL COVID willing. Right. And the playoffs as well. So, you know, it's taken a while, but it certainly looks like it's on the right track. Yeah, that uh, when I saw that come through, that bit of news, I was like, "Did I? Did I? Did I miss something?" <laughs> like, I was like, "Did did yeah. somebody register as some other company?" Even though it's really, and I, I had to do the, my own research on that and realize that no, no, yeah. that's a that's that's a sole entity there. Yeah, that wasn't like a Borat sort of thing yeah, where uh, yeah. you know, it just showed up and it's like, hi, I do sports betting. No, you know, no, this was a real operator. Yeah, it's uh, something else. Like you said, I mean, look. We've tried some other aspects, whatever, like give it a whirl. It's uh, seems seems tough to me for that to get going. 
I mean, we've talked. If we if May never passes that law, we're going to have yes. our own sports book, right? That's we're going to have the LSR sports book and pay two thousand yeah, I mean, dollars. Uh, right? uh, we will have the worst app Brad for Allen sure to come to the U.S. Yeah. yeah, we will have the worst app for sure. Like 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 our technology is going to be garbage. Like there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Me and Adam and Dustin do not know how to code very well slash at all. So uh, it is going to be terrible. We might only offer like a couple games a day, but like you know we'll we'll do what we can. Baby steps, right, guys? And the, none of them will be in the U.S. It'll all be Korean baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll try to. Yeah, we'll we'll go after the niche market. That's a, yeah. That's what we'll that's what we'll be doing. Cricket. Yep. Yeah, that's a, our specialty. will be cricket. Um, all right, Dustin, close us out here. We got some uh, stuff over at our sister site, Online Poker Report. Yeah, a couple interesting items. Uh, William Hill uh, recently added online casino in New Jersey. As we know, William Hill has been uh, finally really getting into the game in online sports betting as casino here. Uh, we'll be adding casino in Michigan as well, presumably as an access deal there. So it's uh, casino games uh, from Will Hill. Uh, and this is, again, as you know, Caesars uh, agreed to buy William Hill, and uh, this is all part of it now. So uh, interesting to see how that develops. Uh, news at both Online Poker Report and PlayNJ.com. And then a uh, bit of poker news out there for the poker folks who still hang on out there. Uh, Michigan Senate has passed an interstate online poker bill, which would allow for online poker to be played across state lines. Right now we have New Jersey, Delaware, and uh, Nevada able to play at a single site, WSOP. Dot com, uh, as you know, there. Uh, so this is uh, this is not some huge piece of news, but I we get to, you and I both get tons of questions. I know about when is online yeah. poker going to be legal across the country. This is another step toward that. Uh, I, I mean, it, the, the fact that they're actually passing a law means there must be some interest in doing it. So I would expect to see Michigan joining that compact. Hopefully, Pennsylvania does it someday, and and then suddenly we have some some critical mass, which is what we always right. talk about poker. You need enough enough people playing it for it to really make sense. And if we we add Michigan and Pennsylvania, then suddenly you have five pretty big, you have four pretty big states plus a little state. And yeah. uh, we, we have something for online poker that starts getting a little more interesting. Yeah, I mean, that would be I mean, my dream, obviously, would be for something like that to happen, because right now it's 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 tough to play. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, with especially considering the time difference. Right. So, yes, we have a deal with with New Jersey, but obviously they're three hours ahead of us. And so, you know, like by the time I'm done with work and then you try to go and you go to play, you're not really getting the New Jersey crowd. You know, I mean, it's it's way into the night and it's way late over there. And so it is real critical to kind of have all of the all these guys, you know, come in and, and try to do something like that. So, yeah, I mean, that would be, that'd be really neat. And like you said, I get questions still. Yeah. Constantly to this day about when this is actually all going to go down and, and all that. So we, we will, we will follow that. But again, head over to online poker report, both of those stories over there as well. Uh, guys, I say this every, every time at the top of the show, but honestly, follow Dustin, follow Adam on Twitter at Adam candy Two E's no Y at Dustin Galker. You're going to get the best information, the best commentary of all the stuff that's going on out there in the industry and at OP report, yeah, OPR update, OP, oh, OP that's, report that's, is, that's right. is, 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 is OPR, our former yes, yes, boss, OPR. Chris Grove. O- yes. You can follow him too. Yes, OPR, OPR update, update from, uh, oh, y'all switched the, y'all switched the Twitter handle on me. It was, it used to be LSP report, right? That, that's, that's what it is. Anyway, it's, it's, yeah, it, 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 that one that one still is yeah now you've, oh, I know you've God, hated I hate that, that Twitter handle forever so Matt, yeah but. I know I like I really do I really do if you have I'm gonna I'm gonna go buy I'm gonna get us a new one that's like to be my 2021 goal so I'm gonna get us a new a new Twitter handle for for the site but uh yeah guys be sure to check out everything over at LSR again we are working around the clock over there to make sure that you know all of the news that's going on in this in this crazy industry through these crazy times right now because things are things is changing 
by the day with everything. So we will keep you updated on all that. For Dustin, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal, valid when product served. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.